0: Hey there, if you would like ad-free and early versions of these episodes, as well as bonus episodes, movie club episodes, and lots more, head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and friends. Welcome, Hot Dog Club, to the movie club for Batman Returns, because Joe Black returns, and only for one movie, for Batman Returns. Welcome,
1: Joe. Oh, pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm here to talk about my favorite subject, which is Danny DeVito as a monstrous penguin criminal. Who
0: eats uh, raw fish, and you actually ate the raw mm. fish on the- on
1: Oh, the s- God. amazing. At
0: least, he, I mean, he claimed to, and it looks pretty real. Like, when I watched in the documentary, he's gnawing away at that, and it looked pretty accurate. Although, <laughs> uh, David Letterman asked Christopher Walken whether or not it, the rumors were true that Danny, to get into character, would uh, gnash his teeth and gnash on raw fish. Christopher Walken said, I, I don't think so. I don't think that's true.
1: <laughs> oh, Christopher Walken ru- ruining everyone's fun.
0: When was the first time you saw Batman Returns?
1: I think I must have seen it as as a kid. Were in the theater or no, not in the theater because I wouldn't I mean I was you know, I was born in 89 and this came right. out in what, nine, 94, uh, 93
0: 94 Uh 92. Yeah. So no, but it's, it's Oh, 92. Oh, this was big amongst 3-year-olds, as we'll get into later. They they really loved bringing kids into this movie.
1: <laughs> wow! <laughs> but also didn't so this one I remember they had um, McDonald's toys and then McDonald pulled the sponsorship. Um, That's right. And it it fucked up the film um, commercially.
0: Let's hear one of those McDonald's commercials.
2: If you always wanted to get your hands on Batman, drop into McDonald's.
3: Batman Returns is on a dramatic series of 32-ounce collector cups with fine crispy Bat-Disc lids straight from the movie. You can pick up a large drink in one of six superhero collector cups at a special price when you buy any extra value meal. Because what you want is what you get at McDonald's today. Batman Returns is at McDonald's
4: on a dramatic series of six 32 ounce collector cups filled with a large
3: soft drink, then topped off with a flying frisbee fat desk lid straight from the movie.
0: So, a flying frisbee top to your 32 ounce soda, <laughs> which I don't know if they make them that big anymore after that film Supersize Me came out. Maybe they do. That's a lot of liquid.
1: Yeah, I, I, again, I live in the UK. The supersize thing is, is a myth to us. Oh, it
0: doesn't actually
1: exist over there. Okay. No, I don't think so.
0: I do find it charming how most of the folks in the UK call it McDonald's.
1: Not McDonald's.
0: Right. And and you know my name Ma- is spelled MacNeil, but it's pronounced McNeil. So it's one of those ever changing, ever shifting pronunciations. <laughs> yeah.
1: The So so McDonald's pulled the the thing, didn't they? Because the film was just too dark. Well, they be- had it
0: running for a while, and there was a lot of controversy. And the interesting thing I find is the kind of stuff that we're going to hear—the outrage, the outcry about the darkness of the second film—because I rewatched the first film or a chunk of it earlier,
1: <laughs> and. Nothing's much darker than the Joker. Yeah, I mean, he... he A woman's face is, like, completely mutilated yeah. as his art. Yeah, he is playing like, a
0: character that would not be out of place in David Bowie's Outside album.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's... I mean, the first one I find, actually... I, I actually maybe find the first one darker, because though the... The palette is darker in Mm. in returns. It's it's a lot more cartoonish.
0: Yes, it is. It's a lot more otherworldly.
1: And I I think that's why why I love it so much is because it is it is gothic, but it is camp. Very. It is the uh, writing. You know the the decision to have the penguin riding a giant rubber duck. Yeah. Like, but but it's but it's the detail on the duck that gets me. It's that it's just a bit grimy and dirty and a bit worn out. It's just perfect. It is. It's you know you know in the sixties the the penguin was a, a a man in a monocle in a suit who went wah, 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 wah. Yeah, yeah, and then to make him a freak show, deformed gang leader uh, that wants to kill all of the firstborn sons of gotham (laughs) yeah it's just
0: again the joker disfiguring jerry hall as his art and then trying to disfigure vicky vale Mm -hmm. in the library scene and also just being this mad loony who poisons the makeup so if people use certain combinations of this makeup they're gonna get a big smile and drop dead (laughs)
1: yeah that is pretty dark isn't it yeah
0: yeah it's officially the
1: the the penguins the penguins weapons are umbrellas the joker just flat out uses a gun and acid and acid yeah (laughs) but and and has a
0: a penchant for you know, infomercials, making that little clip that he puts during the news.
1: Oh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, the Penguin has a penchant for um, politics.
0: And actually, there's some interesting parallels between recent events in America, I feel, and the sort of um, inclinations <laughs> of the Penguin and the thugs that are attacking the city, trying to make things look a certain way and trying to, the, trying to um, inspire dedication to these new leaders
4: yes you know i'm gonna play the stinking city like a harp from hell
0: (laughs) here's an interesting clip uh from an interview with terry wogan one of your very own countrymen talking to burton about similar things
2: gotham city looks like um an apocalyptic vision of, of what a city may turn out to be. Where is it placed? Where is it? Well, you know, that's again, it's, uh, what's great about this material is that it's uh, all kind of symbolic, you know, it's like, it's like, to me it works in the same way, the same reason I like certain myths or fairy tales, it's like real heightened, weird images that you, uh, that, uh, you know, you can thematically, you know, what's happening to our world, what's happening to our cities, what's, what are how our we changing what what are people like you know how weird is it getting and uh what's really weird to me is that we did this movie and stuff and for as unreal as it is I don't know if it's because I'm working on the movie, uh, but I find all these weird connections with the politics that are going on with what happened in LA. I mean, actually, I think the penguin, the penguin ran for president, he might actually win in our country. <laughs> well, yes, I mean, if, if current form is anything to go by, he seems the to outsider. Have a
1: <laughs> <laughs> kind of, uh, kind of freaky. Spooky.
0: Yeah, very spooky. That's yeah. Re-
1: I always, I always forget what Tim Burton sounds like because he doesn't do many interviews uh, anymore. Anyway, right. um, but also actually, uh, uh, when the <clears throat> Wogan was was uh, describing Gotham, then I was like, it's not just the Batman animated TV series that's deco punk. I it's think the- we'll find that Batman Returns is very art deco. And back to the question from the Sinister
0: Circle that asked about. How Batman Returns perhaps has impacted you? I think this would be.
1: Oh yes, a good way to put that is it's, it's visual. It's just it's it's gothic. It's art deco. If you notice know, the people walking around, this is what I find interesting about this film. Is I I didn't I don't remember it from the first one, but in this one particularly, I notice the general citizens of Gotham City all look like they're pulled from the 20s and 30s. Yes,
0: there's a marked difference because I hadn't seen either film in a long time. And so I watched Batman Returns. And then when we had a little bit of time in between, I watched a good chunk of the first one. And I was immediately struck like, oh, right, this is not what the first one, or rather the
1: first one didn't look like that. Oh, the first one was 80s, right? Like everyone was dressed 80s. For
0: instance, Harvey Dent looks contemporary to
1: the time. I mean, Mayor Koch is in it. It's, uh, but it. Do you know? I always found, in in terms of like s- visual appearance, I always found Christopher Walken as a ch- watching it as a child. There was something about it that was very grotesque. Yeah, the way the way he he looked, and that's actually sort of the way I dress now. If I'm making an effort, is I look a little bit like Max Shrek. Sure, um, it's those you know those fur collar jackets over striped suits, leather yeah. gloves, nice hat yeah um and he he looks like a comic book villain version of just a fancily dressed man from the twenties and thirties,
0: mm-hmm. and he's so perfect in this movie, he's so camp and oh, he's yeah. so evil,
1: so I was uh, when I rewatched it, I find with this film, I always think, oh i could um <clears throat> I could speak this film from beginning to end, yeah, uh, and then I realized that i what I actually was, I can speak it as it's going along, but I'll instinctively, uh, there are lines that are embedded in me. Yeah. That I'll say, and I, and I, and I just, it would just before they happen. I, I have to, I just say them out loud. I have to. And the one that always gets me is at the beginning. Um, when Max Shrek says, you know, I just, you know, um, I wish I could get world peace. You know, I wish I could wrap it up in a, a big bow. And it's the, the pocket watch and he goes, oh, but you can, oh, but you will. <laughs> and the, <clears throat> the film, it's the score for the film. I can remember as I'm listening to it, I, every single violin, lift, uh, yeah. oboe coming in, everything. It's just all ingrained in me. Just it, it, even incidental music in the background. Yeah. Every single bit of this film is just, I feel connected to it. Like now I'm thinking about it. I can hear the exact music and timing of when Max Shrek wakes up, um, after being kidnapped. And it's that, it's that, um, that accordion music. And he's looking at the, all of the, the circus, you know, the circus gang. Yeah, Yeah. And it's that sort of music. And then music pauses. Then I believe the word you're looking for is ah. (laughs) It's just just every even musically this film I feel is so. It's when people I sometimes I think people find me hard to uh, to kind of figure out what some people go oh we're just a bit sort of gothic aren't you a bit dark (laughs) but it's it's that particular kind of. Gothic meets or dark meets camp, mm-hmm. yeah. Period piece where uh, uh, Adam's family is another great example of that. They look like that, but the music is sort of you know klezmer. Yes, uh, that you know it's accordions, it's violins. Uh, it's not heavy metal and organs. It's all like it's th- that's what Batman Returns has. Uh, yeah. it's all. <laughs> You know, big, swelling, beautiful orchestras to then just bizarre fluty things or accordions and that it's just it's got a real kind of world music quality right, and carnival quality about the whole thing. I think carnival really nails it oh it's it's a it's a freak show it is it's a freak show, and
0: oh. Danny Elfman is so brilliant and the score oh. that he did for this and for the original Batman, but in particular this which I think he cites as possibly his favorite score, is also the longest of his scores. It's about 30 to 40 minutes longer than a normal
1: movie score because the movie's almost wall-to-wall music. I think that works in its favor. Just the whole thing plays out like the most twisted fantasy.
0: And the music only serves to reinforce each moment. And the detail of the visuals, like you said, I mean, Tim Burton's obviously you know, the king of that sort of thing. Mm. There's some interesting stuff in the making of moments on the Blu-ray where they talk about the matte paintings. They'd break down the shot when the penguin's parents go to deposit the penguin into the water. <laughs> part of that is a painting. Part of I had to watch it twice because I thought I don't really get what they're talking about. But basically, that's to say that there's very little CGI, almost none in this. I mean, not even the penguins. There was mechanical penguins. Yeah, and then people in suits. Yeah. I think there was a couple actual penguins, though. Yes, yeah. When I guess they don't need them to do anything too specific. No, and
2: uh, here's how they kept them comfortable. In the story, he's, you know, discarded by his parents and washes up in the sewer in an old, rotting, abandoned display area within the expo. The concept was it was like an
0: old marine land or something like that. It was an amusement park, it was abandoned, but it still held water, and this was his like little domain, his realm was here. Built a tank, and we, we thought we could just, to save money, just foam down to the floor, you know, and then up the wall, but the water was constantly getting under the foam. So, we'd end up building a weir wall, which is a little kind of a little dam outside to catch the water. And then that would leak. And we had another weir wall outside of that. We ended up with like four weir walls trying to hold all the water.
4: This is going to be good.
2: <laughs> I think that was the most exciting place to work because of, of the water and electricity and just the energy that the lighting made on the water. Really, I think that that was related to Expressionism, whether it was German Expressionism or where it came from. But it's my attempt at doing it like a contemporary expressionistic uh, movie
0: i just love the idea of them being like the most exciting set was where there was a lot of water and electricity
1: <laughs> well they said that but he seemed i was i thought they were gonna go water and electricity which you know it doesn't isn't great but he went water and electricity fantastic yeah <laughs> it's what we like the, uh, more of the, that yeah i mean the whole film is very german expressionist as well but uh, yeah that, that, i mean i think that's fairly, fairly obvious isn't it it's every time i see penguins lair it's the green in the water mm. because the whole the color palette of the film is very black white gray um, blue co- very cold blues yeah uh, um, particularly in the shots all- where
0: they show batman in the Batcave looking at the monitors and all of that it's almost black and white but it's like blue and white
1: yeah. There's there's very little colour in this film. Yeah. Um which is why I think Catwoman works really well with the red lip.
0: Mm-hmm. It really jumps uh, out.
1: It it jumps out. Um and and the green in Penguin's water and the yellow of the duck.
0: It's very striking. And also the pink of Selena K's apartment.
1: Oh oh yeah. you know, the colour palette on this is just so well. I mean, Max Shrek also, always in grey.
0: Right. And then the great deviation from that in the campaign office that Max sets up for Penguin, it's so jarring, even though it's kind of like a run-of-the-mill looking room, really. But because the rest of the film takes place in a completely different universe, it kind of shows how garish and grotesque that
1: is. Yeah, but then it, it's, which is made, made worse by having the Penguin there. What's
0: worse, the Penguin or the obsequious creeps that are, are fawning all over him?
1: <laughs> the uh, something when i whenever he watched it something i i hadn't there's a few moments that i hadn't quite uh i mean not that it needs to make logical sense so he's got he's above that in this awful dilapidated attic right yeah yeah where the fuck did he get a rococo desk
0: what i was wondering when i was watching it is the, the desk did strike me but then i thought now did he have that done to the windows is that like a window treatment Were they already pre-disastered? Because downstairs
1: is quite modern. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, And then the other thing, just because in case, just to make sure I don't forget to say it. One thing that's always bothered me is, do you know when he first appears and he comes and uh, they grab the mayor's baby and jump down the sewer? Yes. And the duck raises up and then he fits through a tiny manhole. (laughs) Is there another platform in the duck that lifts him? There must be another platform or oh, every time i see it it annoys me and also there's a. I don't know if you if you clocked it um when he visits his parents grave he um, knocks one of the gravestones and it wobbles
0: oh no i didn't see that i'm going to have to go back and
1: watch i love stuff watch like that once w- once you see it you won't um unsee it <laughs> um, uh, but it's as he's w- walking through the uh, the um, to his parents grave he knocks um one of the gravestones i can't remember if it's when he's walking back or yeah. walking there. But it just sort of goes...
0: I love moments like that. Especially because usually you're too wrapped up in the movie to catch it. Although if you see a movie yep. a number of times, you will. There's something like that in the Martin Scorsese movie, The Departed. There's a scene where there's uh, someone figures out that there's an informant in Jack Nicholson's mob gang. When Alec Baldwin realizes what's going on, he's so mad he picks up a guy who says something and throws him against a wall, which wasn't planned. And it was a fake wall. So the wall bends but you don't think about that because you're so into the moment of the film.
1: (laughs) But yeah, that's the... I mean, obviously, there's the infamous Batman taking off his mask and having eye makeup and then not having eye makeup. (laughs) You know know this, right? You've clocked it. I
0: know. You know, I missed that, actually. Because I did did wonder about the eye makeup when I was watching the first one earlier today
1: because I thought, oh, he's got eye makeup on, doesn't he? Right at the very end, he's trying to reason with Selena Kyle and, you know, she does her, um, be together, just like a fairy tale. <laughs> um, that, that thing, uh, he's, there's one, it's, it's a close up of Michael Keaton and he's got clearly lots of black paint around his eyes. Right, right. And then it goes back and it's gone and he takes the mask off.
0: It's remarkable when moments like that happen in a movie that it is so design heavy and is so reliant on costume, you know, I mean, because they're mm-hmm. in, they're encased in rubber for the better part of the film
1: he never has to throw it off there and then what are they going to do have michael keaton with big black panda eyes
0: well maybe that's what it was maybe that maybe it was deliberate because they figured no one's going to notice or no one's going to you know because the emotional pull of the film is going to be enough and it would kind of be thrown maybe by the big rings around his eyes (laughs) (laughs) would it be great if he had like some like a glitter Brow, <laughs> <laughs> lovely, love, love, lo- lovely, uh, uh, ombre brow. Yeah, he's got an ombre brow, and he actually wears a nighty under the <laughs> under the body armor, you know, or some fishnets or something.
1: <clears throat> oh, kinky, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, because there is a bit is, of a kink is, element. Oh no, no, no! I mean i i I think i don't know if it's a bit um <laughs> <laughs> we've got you know Mich- michelle pfeiffer leading that leading the kink train there
0: here's wogan once again chatting to michelle about just that
2: did you do a lot of practice for that whip
5: yes i did i um i started training about a month before shooting every day and i had a remarkable teacher um he was just such an amazing person, he had this kind of Zen approach to the whip. And um, um, he was very unusual in, in, uh, in, in his approach, in, in that it was really an extension of you, and it was very graceful and beautiful, actually. Um, it was
2: like the Force in Star Wars.
5: I hadn't quite thought of it in those terms, but yes. <laughs>
2: yeah. You're going to drive a lot of fetishists insane. All over the world. Does this give you a sort of a thrill inside to to know that all these people are going to be climbing walls?
5: Um, well, I don't know about that. I don't think, I don't know. I think that's something I don't really think about.
2: And the whip, of course. That'll bring out the worst in people as well.
5: Or the best. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Miss, I find Michelle Pfeiffer is just, she's not very good at interviews, but then there'll be the occasional moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Wogan. She's terrific. Wogan seems to really get along wonderfully with all of the people interviewed for that special that I think aired in the UK around the time of the release of the film. There's some other interviewers that do not fare so well. I actually once watched every single interview that this following interviewer did with Michelle Pfeiffer through the years, starting back early 80s. It's a whole journey. I'll uh, I'll send you some clips sometime. But suffice it to say that uh, she's not that thrilled. Most of the time. Like you said, in interviews, she <laughs> kind of clams up. As you must uh, know from doing all the press and everything recently, sometimes people just ask you some kind of dumb versions of the questions. Yes. I tried to earlier. So, you know, I just wanted to give <laughs> an example to the listeners of what that's like. But this is Bobby <gasps> Wygant, a star of Movie Club. I uh, always play a clip of her when I can find one that's applicable. And here is her talking to uh michelle kind of about the same stuff not the whip necessarily but you'll see what i mean
6: michelle it is great to see you again Thank you. i love talking with you and congratulations on your performance in batman returns thanks catwoman mm. <laughs> you want to meow or purr for us not particularly no <laughs> <laughs> if you were not a cat person before you started this movie you had to become one pretty quickly didn't you
5: Yeah, there were a couple of those scenes. Yeah, they were pretty spectacular. All of the cats were so beautiful in the film. Particularly, you know, that one scene with her kind of crawling all over me. Didn't bother you? No, no, I loved it.
0: Actors and actresses sometimes, you know, are like submerged in sludge or, you know, cold water for hours and hours and hours. And Margaret, you know, was in beans, baked beans and, and like soap for eight hours at a stretch on a soundstage. And so like, yeah, oh, some cats crawled on you. That must have been horrible.
1: Yeah, I love that. Like, so you spent a month training how to use a whip. I'm sure you hurt yourself. You had to do cartwheels. You had to wear, <laughs> you know, these uh, the backflips. You had to do these, you know, wear these costumes that were clearly unbearable, how hot you must have been. <laughs> right. Um, You know, the training involved in this. You had some cats crawling over you. That was... How did you get like, through it? I mean... How is the
0: emotional response to that? The next biting question is...
6: Do you have a cat?
5: I do. Oh, I've I've had had cats. (laughs) My sisters have cats, and I've
1: grown up with them.
0: Well, stop the presses. You know, the nation can rest easy, because now we know.
1: What got me there was the you know do you have a cat yes she went oh <laughs> like, 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 like a cat isn't a very common household pet it's like it's, it's not like do you have a komodo dragon <laughs> yes oh oh, oh. <laughs> right this rare exotic animal bobby's not done though
0: this is see this is the magic of bobby wygant she's not like some of the interviewers who are really aggressive or stupid or anything but there's something special about bobby like you just pointed out
6: so no big deal for you to have to be around the cats
0: Here's the other thing. She 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 doesn't just make sure she gets the point across. She goes back and back to it again to make
1: sure that she got the <laughs> whole answer. Mitch, I like this this uh, shot of Michelle clearly just clocking that this woman is a is a nuisance. Yes,
0: <laughs> exactly. I will send you the links. You will enjoy watching the history of her press junket interviews with Bobby because there is sometimes maybe thirty to forty five seconds before the actual go. And it's the raw footage that no one's supposed to see. And you just sort of intuit a few things along the way. <laughs> Here we go. Back to Bobby's uh, scintillating line of questioning.
6: How much was that a help to you in playing Catwoman?
5: Well, um, I did, you know, some cat research. <laughs> I rented some documentaries. I read some books. I I looked at my cat every now and then. And, um, <laughs> I, mean, I just approached it from the, um, um, the psychology of the character, really, and the dual personality and what that means. You know, when somebody uh, is, I guess, so um, oppressed and suppressed that, that they have to, uh, s- I guess, split up their personalities and, uh, and, um, and kind of dress up and act out.
0: Doesn't her face look like she's just using every fibre of her being to not walk out of the interview, kind of?
1: Uh yeah, very that what I so I got a proper undermining vibe from Michelle Pfeiffer there. That that's that that she that she said when she went, you know, looked at my cat and then came in with a serious or you know the psychology of the character and duality and how people can split their personalities out of oppression but it was it was like she was planning on going i looked at some cats i looked at some cat books some I cat documentaries as well by the way cat <laughs> documentaries yeah um i've only seen one cat documentary and it was the most hilarious thing i've seen um like i i don't i yeah, d- It was, yeah, I I, I really hope that Michelle Pfeiffer was specifically being spiteful by saying that and then going, oh, the psychology of the character. Absolutely 100% what Michelle was doing. And she does
0: similar things in all of those other junkets. And it's really a thing of of beauty. (laughs) I'll have to send them to you. Sometimes she's staring at Bobby, steely-eyed, And when Bobby goes, it's nice to see you again, Michelle. Michelle doesn't say anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) And then you get her with Wogan and she can't shut up. She's lovely. This Bobby woman. I didn't see what she looked like. I just saw the back of her head, but I can't help but thinking she looks like older Debbie Reynolds.
0: Oh, okay. I'm going to have to quickly pull up what she looks like, because not only do you get to see what she looks like, but most of these interviews were shot with one camera. Meaning that, like in the film Broadcast News, they faked the reaction shots and they redid the questions when Mm -hmm. they finished the actual interview. Then they would have Bobby pull her chair to make it look like there was a camera across the room and she'd redo the questions and nod and smile as if she was, you know, responding in the moment, which is kind of ghoulish. Oftentimes she doesn't tell the interview subject what she's about to do. She'll ask the question again because she's doing it for the camera, but she's not told the interview subject, oh, you don't have to do anything now. And actually, you can leave if you'd like to. Thank you very much for your time. I have to do this for the camera. So sometimes the other person, because they're used to being off camera when people are getting their close-ups done, will, you know, be a sport and do their line. And she goes, no, 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 you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. (laughs) This woman sounds like a
1: fucking nightmare.
0: I just really want to show you what she looks like.
1: Am I right in assuming she is Debbie Reynolds? Yes, you'll see. She looks exactly like what I thought she looked like.
0: Yeah, she really does. I wish Debbie Reynolds had played her in an HBO docu-series. (laughs) We were talking about the outfits and how cumbersome they were, and they actually were restricted in their hearing as well as their movement.
2: It's hard to work in, in the sense that it's, uh, I mean, as an actor, you can't really hear clearly. Your peripheral vision is limited, um, you've kind of got hooded eyes and you can't move very well, it's very constricting on your, from actually the top of your head to the superior toes. And that works for the character in terms of finding an isolation, which was great because I noticed when I was in London doing the first one, I was on the set and I felt very far away from everybody and I thought, this is kind of cool. So I just kind of let myself disappear because the character is actually a person who hides behind things and even Bruce Wayne keeps himself at a distance and because of what his background is, he's a very isolated, kind of distant man sometimes. So that was fine. Practicality, in terms of, you know, practically working day to day, not being able to hear and see has its obvious drawback there because we'd be working and there'd be generators blasting sound and air, air being forced into the room and and noise and Michelle couldn't really hear very well out her out of her seat, uh, suit either, so we'd be thirty feet away sometimes doing a scene, and I'd pretty much just watch her lips and i'd say. <laughs> Yeah, she looks like she might be finished. <laughs> and I try to time it for that and have the same intensity and the same intention. I love that. <laughs> just, but now watching it, will I, I'll look at it and
1: go, just see him sort of like narrowing his eyes because he's trying to read her lips.
0: Yeah, we thought it was a character choice, but actually it was purely practical.
1: <laughs>
0: I bet there was a great gag reel for the cast and crew.
1: Oh yeah, uh, action! And then nothing. <laughs> Maybe there's that.
0: That's why there's so much footage of uh, Tim Burton coming up to talk to him, because he's like, hey, no, 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 now,
1: now. I mean, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go in the car. <laughs> the long, the long one. That's yours. Get in that one.
0: Anyway, it, it's okay. <laughs> you just that one. Speaking of the car, one of my favorite scenes is when Penguin takes over the car. It's a bit of a mystery how the Circus Gang gets the blueprints. Or the schematics for the Batmobile, but listen, maybe they flushed one down the toilet at one point.
4: Oh, you know, um, you flush it, I flood
0: it. What did you think of the ending?
1: Um, which, which, which bit of the ending? Because it kind of ends a few times. I guess the full ending really starts with the death of Penguin. I think it's it's very, very bizarrely written, mm-hmm. but I love it. Uh, you know, it's something that I think. Like I remember reading the script of it you know when i first became a possessor of the film and i would like you know in school and stuff before we had a computer at home i would like to look up the script of it yeah just to see what all the directions say um and it's like you know i need a cold drink of some ice water yeah you know i'll murder you moment but who in their last breath says first i need a cold drink of some ice water
0: the script went through a couple variations. The original script was written by Sam Hamm, who wrote the first one. Then, after some discussions back and forth as to whether or not they wanted to have Robin in the film, which was actually a consideration, they enlisted Daniel Waters, the guy who wrote Heathers. Uh, oh, uh, that but that
1: that might explain some things. <laughs>
0: right. It might give a, a little bit of an, yeah, an explanation for why it's uh, sort of leaning heavily into the darkness. And Waters didn't really want to focus on Batman at all. He really wanted to make a movie about Catwoman
1: and Penguin. Oh yeah, of course, because they're Cat
0: And now a special word from...
7: Hi Divas, it's me, Rubber Child. And if you want to, I would appreciate it if you could check out the link in the description box down there a little bit lower for my GoFundMe for my medical transition. I would really appreciate it. And even if you can't, a little share is free, a little like is free. And I appreciate it. And I love you all.
0: Mm. Mm. And don't you want to return that love? So that's right. Just take those fingers and go down just a little bit further and, uh, and <laughs> press right where you know where you should. <laughs> oh, see, you, you already feel the difference. Now, mm-hmm. donate. And share, do both. If you can't donate, just share. Okay. So Penguin dies. Then mm-hmm. there's the moment where walking might die, might not die. We know he's gonna die, probably. But Catwoman, is it her last life?
1: Four, five, still alive. Six, seven, okay, oh, girls, go to heaven, click. <laughs> so again i it's the once i get the line i can just keep going yeah yeah um how about a kiss Andy <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good is is the, is the penguins the one that i can uh i i enjoy really doing when i was when i was rewatching it i do there's certain lines particularly like with the penguin i'll say them as he says them yeah which is my other my other favorite one is um could be worse. My
4: nose could be gushing blood.
1: <laughs> that is a great one.
0: And also there's that little nod to the old Batman. Uh, there's that little nod to the old Penguin when they put the um, cigarette holder in his mouth.
1: And he just spits it straight out. I <laughs> believe
0: And we have a few listener questions for this as well. So let's get into those. Let's start with Megan who writes, Hi, Craig and Joe. I love Joe's episode. Well, that's nice. And you got another one coming up. Yeah. And so Megan is very glad that you're back for Movie Club. And she adds that she's seen this movie once about 10 years ago. All I really remember is Michelle Pfeiffer stitching together that leather cat suit surrounded by cats. And then the penguin had a giant rubber duck And those might not even be real memories. I'm going to rewatch the movie, but I wondered, what do you both think are the most memorable parts or standout moments in this movie? Love you both. Love you, Megan. I think we hit a few of them, but I think there's definitely a few more in your mind.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the Catwoman out the window... To the cats yes. to the trashing of the apartment yeah is always yeah the the penguin's birth scene the opening scene always always is always one um but it's i like see that are huge sections the the bit when he's giving the speech, and they play the I'm gonna play the stinking city like a harp from hell. Yeah, yeah. Bit. And they start, and he goes, Oh, why do people always
0: bring vegetables? It's <laughs> um, one of the best. I also <laughs> love <laughs> I also love the technology at play, too, because he can record right onto a DVD. Yes, in '92. '92, no less, exactly. So maybe that was CD-ROM um, technology. I'm not sure if it was interactive, oh god, I, but
1: I, 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 we'll see. I, I don't know. Maybe we will have to rewatch it and check.
0: Well, I do remember in the um, Batman in the uh, Bat Dance rather video. Prince scratches a laser disc.
1: Oh my god! The rules don't apply, do they? No, no, not to Prince or uh, Batman. But. <laughs> but the uh, the 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 speech with the vet, like, Why do people always think um, vegetables for speech? Um, that thing, and then it's the him running through, there's always really sticks in my head, it's him running through and pushing people out of the way and leaping, mm-hmm. um, which goes into, I think, my favourite scene, I I will comfortably say in film history. Which is? Which is, is the,
4: <laughs> My dear penguins, we stand on a great threshold. <laughs> There's no need to be scared. Many of you won't be coming back. Thanks to Batman, the time has come to punish all God's children. First, second, third, and fourth born. Why be biased? Hell, the sexes are equal when there are sounds blown sky high. Forward! Why-
0: much the liberation of gotham has begun (laughs) that's uh, very impressive i have to say very thank you
1: i actually i i I messed it up then actually because it said uh, male or female hell the sexes are equal i missed that bit out so i apologize to anyone who thought that i would get it absolutely perfect but that is i just i've watched that so many times yeah it's it's uh, it's the pure absurdity. It's the battle cry, like march penguins with rockets, right? Right. The spotlight, uh, clowns working the spotlight, <laughs> uh, and then it's it, it's when he 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 runs and does the jump and clacks his feet together, yeah, with a top and puts a top hat, right? On. Like it, it's just it's, it's It is the closest thing to perfection that exists
0: The uh, high campness of it all Just can't be uh, emphasized uh, enough uh, I love in the apartment trashing moment When she smashes the letters out of hello there So it's just hell here
1: Oh, I've wanted that neon for a long time Mm. Well, now I've got that drag race money Maybe I'll be able to afford it now Yeah, that's right (laughs) 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 One in every room Oh yeah, all that drag race money, you know, when I've been at home for a year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're trying to find ways to spend it cuz you
0: know, the travels out and all that.
1: Oh, I mean, I bit, you know, I I you know, all, all of this touring I've been doing uh from the living room to the bedroom to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'll be able to get all of the hell here, Science.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And really, you, all you've been doing is just buying one fur coat after another and shredding them. Just because, mm-hmm. listen, what else are you going to do during I, these times? Because I can. Exactly. That's the power of drag, <laughs> listeners.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm I'm, t- I'm taking my old PVC jackets and making them into catsuits.
0: One jacket does uh, result into a lot of material.
1: Considering Selena Gut Kyle's character, why does she have that jacket?
0: That's a very good question, because the other garments that we see... Not that. Yeah, no, not that at all. Maybe she has a saucy side that only comes out with the right gentleman, but as she mentions a few times, she doesn't have the best luck with men.
1: No, you know, um, what strikes me actually is, is, (laughs) I always remember the pink t-shirt with the kittens on it.
0: Yes, right, the one she defaces with the spray paint before grabbing the trench coat.
1: It's not even a trench coat. It's just like a biker jacket.
0: Is it? I thought it was a, a, like a duster or something.
1: Well, I'm, I think it's a short jacket, which makes it more weird that <laughs> she manages to make a whole cat suit out of it.
0: Right. But listen, she's industrious and she's a driven woman. To madness. True. One of my favorite moments is the moment right before Christopher Walken pushes her out the window because the suspense <laughs> is very intense there. And actually, I couldn't remember. I was like, wait, I, I'm pretty sure she gets pushed out the window, but then it seems like he won't do it for a second.
1: Oh, yeah. It's not like you can just kill me. Uh, uh, oh, no. Actually, it's a lot like that. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, I, I, for I, a second, and I you were... up.
0: <laughs> I like how he's rattled for a moment when Bruce Wayne is in the office and she just reappears. With substantially heavier eye makeup. But then he's like, well, she's back. It's fine. And if it's not fine, I'll just push her out a higher window.
1: You know, and also he's got his his taxidermied his own Chihuahua and it lives in his office. That's right. Geraldo. Geraldo. I just figured your password was Geraldo, your pet Chihuahua.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You think he'd reward that kind of ingenuity.
1: But No, no. 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 It's just a pure comic book villain, isn't it? When she's like, well, instead of pr- providing power to Gotham, it kind of takes it and stores, stores it. Stores it
0: and sucks it away? I mean, I don't know what that's
1: about. I mean, it's kind of unorthodox, an but... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what, what is it? She says something um, something about telling goes, And who would you tell that to? No one. It's just that the character development is so... I don't know. It's that duality, as she said. Yeah. You know the, the you know she she watched cat documentaries. She looked at her <laughs> cat, and she 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 really managed to get the duality.
0: <laughs> I think it was um, I think but, it was the cat documentaries, and probably her sister having cats. Right? Like she said. <laughs> yeah. That really did it.
1: Yeah, and also the, the another another thing that always sticks with me is is the soup. For some reason, I'm really it. I, it almost I don't understand why it's even there with the vichyssois i always rem- yeah when he, 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 he you know he, he go, it's cold it's fishy sir and then he's like oh it's right some- well i noticed in the first
0: one when he has the date with vicky vale they're eating soup
1: uh, maybe is this is a thing soup and bruce wayne
0: later we see the remnants of a meal but we don't see him eating solid food is that a bat thing i don't think it is but
1: I don't know if there's a deeper meaning to it, but I just always remember the fish soir. Well. Yeah. It's supposed to be cold. And I would have assumed that he had had
0: that dish before, given he's a very cultured man. Uh,
1: well, you'd assume so, wouldn't you?
0: I would, but maybe Alfred's just trying to mix things up a little bit.
1: Yeah, oh, you're always down in your cave doing your work. Come on, try something new. Come on, Bruce, live a little, won't you?
0: I mean, come on. <laughs> Andromeda Belly Dancer Anne Webb Tomlin writes, I just watched this the other day. My favorite Batman. Burton's amazing imagery, Elfman's beautiful score, and a Susie song as a bonus. That's something else as well, right? The only song in the film is the Susie Sue song. It's a beautiful song. It is a beautiful song. Lovely video for it as well. Interesting story about how he almost didn't score the first Batman.
3: It was totally understandable that they were very nervous about me. Uh, Tim wanted me on the show. The John Peters, the producer, was not keen at all about having me. Uh the studio. I think they felt like, yeah, Danny's fine for the comedies, but we need a real composer. Mm. And uh I get it. I mean, I I would have thought the same way. So I'm not looking at how they were thinking with any kind of like those those bastards. It it was a sensible thing for them to be worried about me. And uh John wanted the first meeting we had, you know, he, he's very pop oriented. So there's a great time when I was walking through Gotham city, Tim flew me out there and I met John and his original idea was that Michael Jackson would write the Batman theme. Uh, George Michaels would write the love theme and Prince would write the Joker theme. And he's telling me about this and Bob is kind of positioning himself between us as we're walking because he knows we're both hot-blooded guys. Hmm. And we'd already just talked in his office about boxing because he says, you know, he's the first thing he said to me. So I hear you box. I go, no, no, no. I just train. I don't actually box. (laughs) And he was really interested. And he showed me how to do a sucker punch in his office. And, uh, I still know how to do a sucker punch. I don't. So you're going to have to show me at some point. Thanks to John. And uh, so he's describing this. And Bob's moving between us because I think he sees on my face. It's like, this isn't going well. And uh, so I was like, oh, I don't really understand what I'd be doing in here. And then it came down to like, you know what? We want you to co-write a score with Prince. And Mm. I had to say, I love Prince, I respect Prince, but I'm not co-writing a score with them Mm -hmm. because I don't want to do a pop score. I already know what this score is. I already knew the score. I had it in my head. And um, I knew that if I co-wrote being me, nobody with somebody like Prince, I would be essentially orchestrating Prince's music Yeah, because I know how it works. And uh, no disrespect to Prince, but I was going to be a glorified orchestrator. And uh, I didn't have the gravitas at that point to be able to say, okay, you do this part and I'll do this part and let's approach it as equals or anything like that. Did Tim tell you where songs would go and where score would go? Oh, yeah. I mean, the songs were in the film. There was like two songs on camera. Yeah. And... It's like that was never an issue. I mean I've had that actually on a number of films where sure okay there's you're spotting the films this is spotted for a song. they've even shot to a song you Elliot know Elliot Smith with uh goodwill there was so absolutely many. and uh, it was uh they even knew what pieces of music and uh, it wasn't like a mystery as it often is yeah. uh, as with Elliot in good goodwill hunting but they didn't want me on the movie and I had to like temporarily leave the film. And, um, I never knew. Yep. Yeah, for a short time I had to back off and I said, let Prince do his thing. And I spent the most miserable month of my life. Oh, honestly, shoot. I felt like I'd walked away from this great opportunity. Now I may have started with a fuck all attitude Pee Wee's big adventure, but now 10 films later, I really, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I really want it. I want more of it. I'm like, I'm hooked. Yeah. And, uh, I felt like I just threw my career away. Oh, but looking
0: back, that was probably the best decision you ever made for that, right? I
3: was, but you know, there are moments like this. There's no answers. There's just, there's two doors and you have to walk through one of them. It was a brave move. And, there's many doors. I, I I look back on my past where I go. So I walked through the wrong door here, but this wasn't one of those moments, fortunately. Because about a month later, I got a call from Tim saying, um, "Would you come back to London? Let's talk." And had you I got, played him that theme? Did he Eddie he heard it, or was that still to come? Um, I think at that point I had, but. I think Tim was also trying to navigate the waters here, like what to do and how, and he was real interested in, you know, Prince and having him involved with the film, but he didn't have a lot of power yet at that moment either. So he wasn't in a position to go, no, this is what I want. He, he couldn't do that. It had to happen organically. Yeah. Prince went and wrote a bunch of music. They, they played it and I got the call. Andromeda
0: asks, which Catwoman of all the portrayals is your favorite? Eartha, Julie, Michelle, Hallie, or Anne? Michelle. For me, it's Michelle. Uh, did- it's Michelle, hands down. Uh, same here. Did you happen to see the film Catwoman?
1: Oh, the Halle Berry one. Yeah. I think the less said about that, the better. I agree
0: with you. I think we've said too much.
1: By mentioning
0: it. Yes, exactly. if we talk
1: about it, we manifest it. And we don't want No, that. we don't.
0: You're right. That's a good point. So demerit to each of us. And we move along. <laughs> the lady playing Mrs. Copplepot excuse me, Mrs. Cobblepot. Next to Paul Rubens is Diane Salinger, who is Simone in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Didn't realize that. Andromeda adds, everyone in Batman Returns is perfectly cast. I just realized the other day that this Andrew Biernarski, who played Chip Shrek, the shun, I can't speak at the moment, the son of Christopher Walken's Max, is actually doing a Walken impersonation. I guess you have to, if you're playing someone related to Walken. I also noticed the other day that Pfeiffer seriously smudged red lipstick when she did that scene with DeVito where she puts the bird in her mouth. Fun fact, that's actually a live bird that Michelle Pfeiffer put in her mouth because the stunt birds didn't quite look right. And so she finally just popped the thing in her mouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My God. That's what watching cat documentaries and having your sister have cats will do for you.
1: Yeah, and glancing at your own cat and thinking, now I
0: know. That's right. and And putting aside that inbuilt fear we all have of having cats crawl all over you once you get past that you can pop a live bird in your mouth
1: yeah i you know i i you know what i'm right now i feel like i'll go find myself a little sparrow and just stick it in my gob
0: <laughs> try to glance over at klaus once or twice before doing that
1: oh yeah oh
0: well you need just a little motivation you don't have the cat documentaries on hand i don't have one to give yeah, you so
1: no, i know i don't ha- i don't have them um I think they've taken off that one about the cat shows from Netflix now. So I'm going to have to look at Klaus for inspiration, though. He's, he mostly just sleeps, to be honest. So I don't know how much help
0: he'll be. And it's sad that the cat show is taken off due to all the controversy, which we don't need to speak about. And then we move on to Pasha or Pasha. You let me know. Uh, sometimes I mispronounce and sometimes I don't. So you let me know if I'm right on one or the other. Pasha adds, hi, Craig and Joe. Well, hello, Pasha. Joe's the absolute cutest. And I'm so happy you two are doing something together again. Well, so am I. Oh, thank you very much. Firstly, I feel like this is the perfect time to apologize for my cursed "Joe is the Penguin" drawing. <laughs> now,
1: I didn't know about this. Is this something that's a thing? Yeah they they tried to combine me and the penguin, um, and it was it was terrifying. Uh, as 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 uh, you know, what I don't I don't think if anyone's ever said those things out loud, they thought this would be a relaxing
0: image Well, the penguin. Brings to mind relaxation, particularly when that black stuff pours out of his mouth. Ah, oh, the bile, yeah. Love that bile. You know, I <laughs> wish that they had that as part of the Happy Meal. Like a limited edition ketchup. Oh, that
1: would have been amazing. Wouldn't
0: that be good? You have your little pe- penguin figurine, you squeeze the head, season your burger.
1: Oh, do you know what? I, I, one, of, one of the things, there was a few things I said to myself. It was like, It If I ever get money, mm-hmm. like I make actual proper money... There is a very, very large um, penguin figure that was released around the time uh, of the film. And I can't, it's one of those big toy companies, but it's a—it's uh, like a one-tenth the size of, or maybe one-sixth the size of, of like, life. Wow. It's huge. There's a, there's a Catwoman one as well, but they're really, really expensive. And I really want it. Yeah,
0: maybe if you can get on uh, UK All-Stars, you can take that money
1: put it right to oh yeah do you know what yeah yeah i need all stars money before i can get my danny devito <laughs> life-size figure <laughs> there's a there's a there was a cafe in brighton obviously you know the world's changed a lot since then but there was a cafe in brighton where i live that if you sat on the um upstairs if you looked out the window there was a cardboard cutout of danny devito waving um not as the penguin uh just as danny devito oh that's fabulous and, uh,
0: either way you win
1: yeah, I, just, I, like, I used to go there just so I could look at Danny DeVito opposite, because it just made me really happy. I just really love Danny DeVito.
0: Now, are you a fan of the film Wise Guys?
1: I don't know if I've seen Wise Guys. Okay,
0: I'm going to have to track it down and send it to you. It's him and Joe Piscopo in a Brian De Palma film, but it's a comedy. It, it's a favorite of mine. It's quite good.
1: <gasps> Maybe I have seen it. I feel like, is there a scene at an airport? Uh, I think so.
0: There's mobsters. They say, thank you, Mr. Akamato, all the time.
1: I think I have seen this. I feel like there's like a suitcase exchange with money yes, in an airport. Yes,
0: exactly right, exactly right. I
1: have, I ha- I have seen it.
0: I'll watch anything with Danny DeVito in it, and I actually like Death to Smoochie, a film he directed that critically got kind of sad. Uh, I, I,
1: I, I, I love Death to Smoochie. I so when before we really had the internet uh, at home, um, uh, I. You know, uh, we, it's just not everyone had it at the time. Yeah. Um, and, and if you didn't have it at uh, home, sometimes
0: I, you have it in the shed. And that would make it very difficult yeah. to, you know, go use well, it we, in the middle of the night. I
1: I, I used it at school. Yeah. So what I would do is I would look up online uh, for black comedy films or dark comedy films. Yeah. And I, and I wrote, and I had a little notebook, and I wrote a list of all of these films. Uh, and I, I didn't know what any of them were about. Mm-hmm essentially. Yeah. And then, you know, internet shopping wasn't really a thing. Um, and so my mum, bless her, one Christmas or birthday, went down to do HMV, which is, you know, where you get DVDs and they could order you some in. Uh, she went down to HMV with this list of obscure dark comedy films mm-hmm. for me. Uh, and then one Christmas, you know, I had lots of DVDs. Um, and Death to Smoochie was one of them Oh, that's lovely Yeah, I remember it really well with, It's the sort of Barney one with uh, Robin Williams
0: Yeah, playing the embittered child's Children's... mascot Right, mm-hmm. yeah, child's entertainer yeah, mascot and,
1: and also, another one I got at that time Another Danny DeVito film was Throw Mama from the Train Brilliant movie I remember that And the the, the, the bit that gets me the most every time Is the scene when she turns around and she's got a harpoon gun Yeah <laughs> uh, The Uh, mother—it makes me laugh every time. But Danny DeVito was—I mean, he directed Matilda as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He's a fantastic director. I need to see
0: more of his dramas. I loved Hoffa, which is uh, the film he made right after Batman Returns. I thought it was that was great. He was great in it. I also need to see War of the Roses again because I haven't seen that
1: since it came out. Oh, I forget—that's Danny DeVito, isn't it? Um, uh, that—that—that started my obsession with Kathleen Turner. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Well, this just there's there's so you haven't seen it since it came out
0: that's right yeah i saw it on vhs when it came
1: to tape yeah um please watch it again there's just there there's the one i don't remember there's one scene when she suggests she mildly suggests (laughs) that she has fed him his own dog oh okay i vaguely remember this yes And he says, the pate's delicious, what's in it? And she just looks him dead in the eye, and she raises an eyebrow and says, woof. (laughs) I remember that now, yeah. uh, And the dog's fine. She hasn't fed him the dog. Right. Because it cuts to the dog like going, what? And looking up. Um, And she throws a dinner party, and he turns up in a tuxedo drunk and pisses on her face. It's brilliant. (laughs) Kathleen it Turner. It is. Is this, is this before Kathleen Turner sounded like this?
0: If someone did Kathleen Turner for Snatch Game, I mean,
1: um, I consider I considered it. So I was gonna do Tallulah Bankhead, right? Um, yeah. Uh, who Who Kathleen Turner played on stage? Oh yeah, because they were famous for having a similar voice, right? So so my 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 Tallulah Bankhead, uh, it could could be Kathleen Turner just with a slightly different accent, because Kathleen Turner's kind of got that. Midwesty kind of twang, hasn't she? Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas Tulula Bankhead is basically English, despite being from Alabama.
0: <laughs> right, it's that Alabama English.
1: Yeah, she was. Well, she, she was. I think she, she studied theater, theater, darling, in the UK for a long time. So she's got one of those weird hybrid accents.
0: There's also a fun movie called The Man with Two Brains with her and Steve Martin. She's very funny in that. That was actually one of her early films too. She did Body Heat and then immediately followed it with this really insane comedy.
1: So I, I saw Kathleen Turner. We're going right off Batman Returns now. But, um, That's also
0: very Ka- movie Ka- club, by the way. So
1: Oh, good. Uh, Kathleen Turner decided she was going to do her own solo cabaret show and tour the UK. And I was... So it was when I lived in a place called Worthing, which is about um, 20, 20 minutes to 30 minutes away from Brighton. And I was walking down the street, and there was like this overgrown uh, kind of... <laughs> Um, green greenery area, trees. Yeah, that kind shrubbery. Of and then you, uh, it's shrubbery, um, and they, you get these these kind of advert, um, frames and stands around towns in 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 um, in, in the UK. Yeah. So it's just like generally city council owned. Like it's a wooden board that is a lock and key, and they put posters inside it. You know. Um, and I came round and I glanced just into this bush, uh, just as just turning my head, and I saw the word. Kathleen Turner, and it was cut off. Yeah. And I and I and I screamed. <laughs> and then I got into the bush and pulled the thing to reveal that Kathleen Turner was coming to this tiny town wow. in West Sussex. Yeah. And I have never booked tickets quicker to something in my life. <laughs> I bought front row tickets. Oh wow. Uh, it was just a bizarre location for her to go to. Uh, it wasn't that busy, yeah. either, yeah, um, and I watched her just tell the stories of her career and sing some songs. That sounds like a fabulous night uh, it was it was fantastic it uh, was so good, and the show opened with. Just um, lots of voice clips of her famous lines Mm. from films. And then right at the very end, so it was, you know, uh, woof. Um, You know, uh, know, (laughs) Fever to Pussy Lane Um, from Serial Mm. Mom. Um, uh, And then it just all goes quiet. And as the light comes on it, no, just before the light comes on it, it goes, I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. (laughs) And then obviously her voice has gotten gruffer the older she's gotten. Right. So it's all this like kind of delicate sounding Kathleen Turner. Uh, then over the speaker you hear,
4: "Hello, big blue, welcome to the stage, Kathleen Turner." <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> and then she looks like Ursula now, right? Which, from from Little Mermaid. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I was, you, she It's in certain lights you can still see the exact face from the eighties. Sure. But I mean she's she's much older now and I think she's had some health issues and stuff. Yeah. But I really wanted her to play Ursula because she's gotten um she's gotten quite a lot bigger and she's got a very a natural drag quality about her. And I think she would have been that would have been an amazing choice for Ursula because she's somebody that doesn't work very much now but is totally brilliant. Right. Absolutely. And she would have been so perfect for the role. And if they, you know, if they if they were dead set on making her, so there's someone that that was of a bigger frame. Yeah. You know, Kathleen Turner has a bigger frame now. Yeah. And the camp you know, sensibility. 80- yeah. Camp sensibility, eighty sex bomb. Mm-hmm. So she's got that kind of lineage. You know, yeah. It's. Uh, I just think it would have been it been brilliant. But no, they, I mean, they've gone with Melissa McCarthy, which uh, isn't. Um, I I'm I'm warming to it. Sure. Sure. Um, but Kathleen Turner would because- have been.
0: A brilliant <clears throat> casting
1: and i and i hope she was considered yeah for it because th- that was it seemed made perfect sense to me and i just kept looking at pictures of kathleen turner and imagining her purple and she would have been amazing
0: yeah imagining her with that hair i can totally see that
1: oh what good woman how do we get to kathleen turner um we were bound to
0: eventually i think that's the answer that's the one i'm yeah. gonna go with anyway
1: oh danny devito war you said war of the roses that's right
0: that, I, I listen i unleashed this this is what i did and this is what i do deliberately yeah and they worked together quite a few times what they did uh romancing the stone
1: and jewel of the nile oh w- w- um was that danny yeah danny's right. in both of those i i i've not I've not seen Romancing the Stone, I don't think Danny, Michael
0: Douglas, and Kathleen. Kathleen and interesting. Yeah. you know, Michael Douglas is not Michael Douglas's real name. However, Michael Douglas is Michael Keaton's real name <laughs>
1: <What>? <laughs> um, Michael Keaton is someone that i uh, as an actor, he's brilliant in everything he's in, but he's he very rarely appears now, doesn't he?
0: Very seldom. He was in Birdman, which I heard was terrific. I do have to see that. I uh,
1: I haven't seen it, but I heard it was it was brilliant. But he was also in um, Spider Man.
0: Oh, that's right. And the one about the priests in Boston. I can't remember what it's called. It's like the biggest movie of a couple of years ago. But um, yes, we know what it is, and we don't need to mention it because I can't remember the name of it.
1: But I don't I, don't, I have no idea what you're talking <laughs> about.
0: What well, was a U.S. problem? No, I sadly not. There's a film. His first big movie was Night Shift, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, I think you'd like it quite a bit. Stephen King. It's a Ron Howard film, and it's oh. about hookers. And Henry Winkler is in it. It's a great time. Shelley Long. What more could you ask for?
1: I nothing. <laughs> oh, I'll 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 see it first. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. There was a clip I was going to play related to the Joe is the Penguin, but we'll continue with this thing first. And then Pasha continues with, I love this movie, although the nose gushing blood moment definitely scarred me as a child. Michelle Pfeiffer. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Exactly. That's the way it's supposed to go. Michelle Pfeiffer whipping the heads off mannequins is so sexy to me, and I feel like there needs to be some discussion about the rubber ducky boat. You're both incredible. Well, you're incredible, Pasha, and thank you. Um, Well, I think we talked about the rubber ducky boat wondered whether or not there's a secondary riser inside of it
1: to adequately lift Penguin up to street level. Yeah, we were questioning the logistics of this. And also, I'm assuming there's the, you know, the whipping the heads off mannequins and and that being done in one take.
0: Quite remarkable, really stunning. I mean, if they didn't have to cut away just for, you know, angle and everything, you would have seen it all in one go. But Michelle Pfeiffer posted that video on her Instagram.
1: I've seen it quite a lot now. Yeah.
0: And I took it as a good omen that we were seeing it on the internet so often around the time of our taping this.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I think so. I think it's sometimes these things have a way of appearing, don't they? They do. We move along
0: to Lydia Languish, who writes, shockingly, I'd never seen this movie before, which may get me kicked out of the goth gang. It might, but you know, again, it's a, it's a closed loop here and we don't talk. We, we're not finks. We're not rats. <laughs> Lydia adds, I've always felt that Michael Keaton was the sexiest Batman, although he is no Adam West. Well, but who is? Who's your favorite Batman and favorite Batman villain? For me, it's a tie between Eartha Catwoman and Vincent Price's Egghead. Now, who is your favorite villain? I think it's Penguin, but I just want to ask you to make sure I'm doing due diligence.
1: Well, I mean, I, I think my, my favorite Batman is Michael Keaton and my favorite villain for the film adaptions. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say, well, I, w- I will say Penguin, but um i would just like to give a nod to some some others uh, though i i really don't like the film as much as i should like it because it's really camp um i love that poison ivy uma thurman it is basically may west yes
0: yeah that is pretty uh, good uh,
1: it, that's the thing if she
0: wasn't operating in a terrible film it would be a lot easier to enjoy that performance
1: I just really, I really want them to do Poison Ivy in the new kind of gritty version of Batman. Yeah, because they're doing the Riddler for the new one is like a a kind of you know, um, seven, esque oh, zodiac. Yeah, killer. sure, sure. That's what that's what they're doing with him. And have you have you seen um, Colin Farrell, um, or Colin Firth? I can always oh, Farrell. It's Farrell. I, I get the two confused. I have not seen that one. No, <clears throat> as the Penguin. No, is it worth
0: watching? Um. Terrible with. Well, it's not out.
1: It's 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 not out yet. Oh, good.
0: So I'm in the clear. Okay.
1: That's the one that's being made, and they uh, was some set photos leaked of him as the penguin, Uh and they've put it. They've made him look like a sweaty, fat old man. (laughs) That's perfect. And it's it's uh, it's fat. I mean, because he's he's sort of you know he's an attractive, you know, middle aged gentleman, isn't he? Certainly. Um so they they they've they've given him you know they've made him look like he's sweating and hook nosed and scarred and um I just I love that but um, I mean the 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 joke Jack Nicholson's Jokers of course is is amazing um I like in in the newer uh ones um I I very fond of um Heath Ledger's Joker I think was brilliant yeah, I've not seen
0: the Christopher Nolan Batman's. I guess I should.
1: There's three. There's three. Oh
0: dear. Yeah, I haven't seen
1: have you, any uh, of them. So you have you you haven't seen the Joker? No, I haven't. Nope. Oh, okay. So, I mean, have you seen clips of Heath Ledger as the Joker?
0: Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. For a role like that to be so firmly stamped with Nicholson's imprimatur, to redo it and be able to take it to another place is an impressive achievement.
1: And it was it was disturbing. Yes. Yeah. It was it was brilliant. But I mean, the the all you know, I really even like Jared Leto's Joker. <laughs> I know a lot of people hate on it, but yeah. I I think it's really fun. I think it's so over the top.
0: I need to see that one as well. But I think I'll start with the Christopher Nolan films, and then make my way through that. I think I sort of just cooled on the whole franchise with Batman Forever. I didn't go see it. Uh, The soundtrack was quite good. I played it at a record store I worked at, but it was very pop song heavy. You know, there's no, I mean, there is a score, but I don't really remember anything to do with it.
1: Well, that's when it moved over to Joel Schumacher, wasn't it? Yeah, and
0: I'm a fan of Joel Schumacher, but I do not care for those movies. Well, let me, that's not exactly true. For as rotten as it is, I love Batman and Robin. I think it's so ridiculously bad that (laughs) Mr. Freeze. The Iceman cometh.
4: Please show some mercy. Mercy? I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold. To your pleas of mercy, you're not sending me to the cooler. Breezy. I'm feeling hot.
0: I find that
3: unlikely.
4: Okay. So my hair is brittle and my skin is dry. I'd weather blizzards just to have you. You're the most perfect man I've ever known. What do you say we heat things up?
2: My passion thoughts for my bride alone
7: Ooh. talk about your cold shoulder
0: schumacher admits to sort of screwing it up he says now that he or he doesn't say anything anymore actually because he's passed but um he later said that he felt bad about that the way it went and part of the reason it went that way is because warner brothers wanted to have more kid-friendly toys to sell
1: uh, well, you know the corporations ruin it again. Yeah. The the thing like the thing with the Batman villains is they depending on how they're done they can either be terrifying or hilarious. Yeah. Or, or just so ridiculous like Mister Freeze. Uh, I you know I played the Arkham games where he's like you know his wife is dead or dying and he needs to make get her you know. Alive again. Yeah. He is uh, an, a, a ridiculously powerful man in a sight as a cyborg, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he should be terrifying. Yeah. It shouldn't be Mr. Freeze in, in, in fluffy slippers. I mean, it shouldn't be Arnold Schwarzenegger in fluffy slippers and a dressing gown and blue. And
0: camper than camp.
1: Yeah, and it, um, you, know, it, what, I, you need like a half-cyborg man with pipes coming out of him. That's what you need. Which would have worked with him. It, very strange. <laughs> well, yeah, he's used to that, isn't yeah, he?
0: he is. And then there's uh, Two-Face and who did Jim Carrey play? Was he Two-Face? No. <laughs>
1: the Riddler. Okay, see, I remember it so was little.
0: Tommy Lee Jones. That's right, Tommy Lee Jones, who hated jim carrey tommy lee jones is a bit of a miserable bastard if you ever read any interviews yes yeah
1: yeah, i've seen interviews with him and he's having none of it
0: the only person i've seen him actually be lovely with is bobby wygant the cat lady so i don't know what that's about oh very strange but there's plenty of interviews online of him being an absolute bastard to people just trying to do their job jim carrey in those films
1: are just it rubbed me the wrong way I i don't like him with that ginger hair I mean, I love Ginger. hair, but those wigs on him? I just—I there's something about it. There's a difference between the
0: green hair of Jack Nicholson's Joker and then that kind of atrocity.
1: Yeah, it looks like a like
2: a. Yeah, it does. I remember toying with the idea of doing another one, and I remember going into Warner Brothers and having a meeting. I'm going, you know, we could do this, we could do that, and they go, they go like, Tim, don't you want to do like a smaller movie now? You know, just something that's more and like. About, you know, half hour into the meeting, I go, you don't want me to make another one, do you? And they go, oh, no, 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 no. And, I, and I, I just said, no, I know you did. And so I
0: just, we just stopped it right there. You know, for a man who really communicates a lot in his art, he has an interesting way of not finishing sentences when talking about <laughs> <laughs> Like, I get what he's saying, but he also leaves out a lot. And then, of course, the Warner Brothers representative has a nice little PR spin on it, which I kind of love corporate bullshit speak like this in a way. I mean, I I loathe it, but also because that sounds very exactly how it happened. Oh, no, 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 no. We we want you to make the movie, you know, but we want you to make it completely differently than you want to make it. But oh, no, no, we we want you to make the movie, surely.
5: You know, when you're a director like Tim and you have so many stories to tell and, so, and you're so visionary i mean can you do the same character over and over again i think we all knew that you know tim had other places to go and other films to make would have been great for the audience because he would have made a lot of great batman movies but we wouldn't have had you know all these great films that he's made since then
1: (laughs) that 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 is of going he was a bit weird for us. <laughs> he's he's got uh you know he was he he had to go make Edward. Oh no, it was Edward Scissorhands next, wasn't it? I, no, I think Edward Scissorhands was in between these two movies, wasn't it? I always I get confused. I feel like Scissorhands was ninety three, um, but it oh, 1990.
0: Yeah, so he did uh, Batman, then Edward Scissorhands, and then. This. You know, it's interesting. There's a film called Cabin Boy. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's no. a legendary flop. It's Chris Elliott. Tim Burton was going to direct it until he was given the script for Ed Wood, and he didn't want any changes made to the Ed Wood script. He was like, this is my next movie. So he said, oh, I'll produce your movie to Chris Elliott,
1: but I have to direct this. It was Beetlejuice, Batman, Edward Hands, Batman Returns, then Ed Wood. Then Mars Attacks.
0: Mars Attacks, I, th- I liked okay. It didn't send me though.
1: It's a, a, when when you watch it again, you realize what an absolutely ridiculous all star cast it is. Right, the cast is ludicrous.
0: Burton's very much like Wes Anderson in that if he says, "Oh, would you like to be in my film?" Everybody just goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, absolutely."
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Mars Attacks was Sarah Jessica Parker, uh, Glenn Close, Jack Nicholson, yeah. um, <laughs> Tom Jones. Danny DeVito.
0: Is Bill Murray in Mars Attacks as well?
1: No, I don't think Bill Murray's in Mars Attacks.
0: You know he's never going to be in one of his pictures. Sean Young. Oh, okay. Cuz she was originally cast as Vicky Vale for the first Batman, <laughs> but she sustained an injury after a mishap with a horse in the rehearsals about 2 days prior to the first day of filming, and they had to replace her. A series of really bizarre things happened when Batman Returns was announced. Sean Young stormed into the offices of Mark Canton, the executive overseeing Batman Returns, who was in a meeting with Michael Keaton and I think Tim Burton at the time. And she barged in dressed in her own Catwoman outfit, demanding to be seen. I oh,
1: have I've, I've, I've had this story. Yeah.
0: And she had a walkie-talkie with her that someone thought was a gun. Security was called. She had taken a private plane to the area, to Burbank, to do this. So on her own dime. That would have been bad enough, right? That's like really outside the boundaries of what you should be doing in Hollywood, particularly when you have the sort of dotted history that she had in those years. Because after losing the role in Batman, she was then fired off of Dick Tracy a week into filming. She was uh, the original Tess Trueheart, which was later played by Glenn Headley. So her reputation was, you know, maybe a little... Um, shaky. Thank you. It was shaky. And then you really don't do this which is going on the Joan Rivers show. I don't know how to describe this, so I'm just going to show it to you.
7: I have a message for the director of Batman 2. How dare you not make time to see the Catwoman, not even so much as granting me a meeting. How very rude of you. After all, I was in the original Batman cast. How dare you not even return the Catwoman's phone calls? I don't make phone calls very often. And after all, business is business. And doing good business means that you return your phone calls. It's a pretty simple formula. Timmy. <laughs> How dare you treat the Catwoman so badly? Have I ever been anything except professional with you? Have I badmouthed you? Did I show up late for rehearsals or something? I even jumped up on a horse I was scared to death of because you, asked me to. And when I had an accident and fractured my shoulder from falling off that horse, you didn't even send me a get well message. Seems to me old Timmy takes himself pretty seriously now. So I'm going to do you a favor and help you check into reality for a minute. You see, you really do have a wonderful life. Very lucky to do what you're doing. But something must have happened to you since we last met. Because not to grant the Catwoman a meeting and not to see me when I drop by your office indicates that you're not taking care of business and that you don't have a clue as to who the real Catwoman is. Consider this a formal notice that the Catwoman has tried to get through to you and you wouldn't listen. Why do you all want this role so badly? Why is this becoming such a... a a big thing because this is why Hollywood has become an an unfortunate situation where art and commerce, you know, are at odds. And art is sort of like an endangered species. And the the big blockbuster becomes what makes it possible for people to gain more power, to do other roles, to demand right. more and better roles. So everybody knows that. I mean, the first Batman wasn't acclaimed as a fine movie, you know. Put <laughs> it nicely. Yeah. yeah.
0: So she's already done that. Now she's going to knock the merits of the first Batman, because this will get her a job in a Tim Burton film. There's more of this clip if you'd like to see it.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I had a feeling.
0: And then we'll review, for those who can't actually see this, what we just witnessed.
7: But it made a lot of money, so there was obviously something in it that people wanted to see. So they, they know the formula for this will attract a lot of people to go see it. So people who can get into a movie that makes, you know, has a large audience, they have more opportunity then to continue to be more important within that Hollywood structure. There are other structures besides Hollywood, you know, but um, But, I mean, I've never, I heard that Michelle Pfeiffer said she'll do it for nothing. I mean, that's- No way, that's a, that's no way. Michelle, honey, let me, we gotta talk. You don't (laughs) need to do this for nothing, okay? Why wouldn't Tim Burton (laughs) see you? You worked know. with him. You had a good relationship with him. Well, that's why I feel so so uh, angry. Yeah, is yeah. because I, I worked with him and I fell off this horse. They asked me to get up on this horse a week before we did the movie. The day before, I actually fell off this horse. I got in the I got in the mail, Federal Express, that summons stuff from Woods.
0: Sean Young and James Woods starred in a movie together called The Boost. He alleges that they had an affair and she became obsessed with him to the point that she was leaving voodoo dolls on the doorstep of the home he shared with his living girlfriend. He then sued her for a few million dollars. It was settled at a court. She said that they never had a relationship, that he was trying to get with her, but she refused him, and that he was going out of his way to try to sabotage her career. Whichever side is true, they're both crazy.
1: I mean, James Woods is a good, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, he's a foul, foul person. So, there was this all going on at the same time. So, this is what she's talking about with the lawsuit, which later was settled. And then, I, or she won some judgment and had her legal fees paid or something. But anyway.
7: And it was really shocking to me. And I fell off. And. They do have the original Batman now. Yeah. Well, the went, original one. Right. And I fractured my arm. And I really had a tough time with it. And I, I really expected to be given the chance. Right. To, like, be seen, ser- taken seriously, you know? Because he, he was going to use you for the first movie, he right. should have been wanting to at least see you for the second movie. Well, just even, even if he wasn't going to see me, I mean, not, even if he wasn't going to use me in the uh, sequel, I, I can't understand why he wouldn't at least see did, me. Didn't you, you know try I mean? to see him? Did you, yeah. act, <laughs> you did clips of those, right? Yeah. Did he rant? He wouldn't see me. But, I, and he thought you had a gun? Oh, no. He that, didn't really think that, did he? You're asking me? That's what they well, told me about it. He wouldn't see me. How would I know what he thinks? Yeah, you know? Somebody said he thought you took out a walkie-talkie. and he I thought, had a walkie-talkie, yeah, but I, I always he, have walkie-talkies. Yeah, but they said he hid under a desk. But, and meanwhile... Did he hide under a desk? You're, you're asking wimp. me? great this, this is what my people he, gave me. I didn't see him. He wouldn't see me. He ducked me. He ran.
0: the look look on your face was a pure delight to me i was so excited to share this bit of treasure with you
1: um (laughs) that uh, do do you know you meet people that constantly have issues with other people (laughs) and no and no one says to them have you ever considered the problem may be you exactly and I, I think that's that. That's what's going on with this, 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 this woman. Uh, did she? I mean, I'm assuming she had an agent or a manager or something. Um, did they contact the Joan Rivers show and go? You would not believe what she would like to do. That's the question. How did this happen? She must
0: have contacted Joan directly. Because Joan, uh, but Joan antagonizes her. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's living for it. I mean. She does not have Sean Young's best interest at heart at all.
1: No, there was something, I can't remember exactly what it was, but there's something Joan says that was clearly to rile her up, that Joan acted like she didn't know something. I can't remember what it was. Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer did it for free. Classic, just
0: riling her up. And Sean Young is so bought into her crazy fantasy of how the world should work, which is also evidenced by the way she's talking about, well, let's say rambling about Well, you know, the way the the thing works is that, and she's angrily describing a system that she was only too happy to play a part in when she got roles in Blade Runner and Dick Tracy and the first Batman. Oh,
1: was she she, um, Rachel in Blade Runner? Yes. Oh, I'd never realized who that woman was. I I have to show Aaron this because... uh, yeah could you send me that clip? Oh uh, no absolutely. Yeah it's like a sacred text that must be shared and studied by everyone. Because Aaron's obsessed with Blade Runner and and the the, the Rachel smoking scene in particular. Uh, and I just I need him to see <laughs> what happens. <this>. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'll happily send you that and also there's a collection of every one of her appearances on David Letterman one of which she she shows up in a tap dancing outfit. And then tap dances. Now, that could go either way. You could say, how fun, how fun is that? You know, someone like Christopher Walken does that on some shows. It's not quite that. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. that. It's not, no,
1: Shirley Temple level of creepiness or?
0: Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it absolutely <clears throat> is. a grown woman. Exactly. And Sean Young had an interesting career be- up until everything went, sort of south even though she's been making like direct-to-video films for many years she now has a youtube channel by the way where she has <laughs> footage of her on the set of dune she's in dune as well and i think she she actually had a camcorder with her when she went to the warner brothers lot so there's a video of that available as well she was in blade runner then she was in a very very big film in 1985 called no way out co-starring kevin costner and iman it was one of kevin costner's first big movies and that's a, a really good thriller if i remember it correctly so i recommend that but she was really on the trajectory she was on the up the controversy about the appropriateness of this film for children as we said before the first film it's not necessarily a kids movie
1: no was that pg i mean i guess i should have looked it up but no it was in the uk it was a 15 cuz our certificates so i've got i've still got my original dvd of batman returns from when dvds were first came out and uh, Batman Returns was a 15, for sure. But, like, Beetlejuice was a 15, but now it's a 12. Or well, now it's a PG. You all have your cover artwork completely blemished by
0: the ratings. Well, it's in the corner. Yeah, but it's actually in the artwork. Like,
1: that's not yes. done here. Well, the way our ratings work, we get U, which is universal. um, Then we get PG... Uh, which is yeah maybe you know there might be some things that will upset children. Then we get twelve, yeah, fifteen, eighteen. Oh, I didn't know that there were so many
0: gradations.
1: Yeah, because I wanted to go see X Men, the, the first live action one when it came out, but I wasn't old enough. I'm um, quite a bit older than you. So I I saw
0: Batman and Batman Returns both in the theater on original release.
1: There's a, I mean, sadly it's closed now. So there's a there's a a, a 1920s theater. In mm-hmm. um, cinema, movie, movie theater in in Brighton, um, that's now sadly had to close its doors. Oh, I hate to and hear that. And every yeah. every Christmas, uh, they do a an alternative Christmas film, and um, uh, you know Gremlins, Die sure. hard, that kind that kind of thing. So um, one of them was on my. It was the day before my birthday. Yeah. And they were doing Batman Returns. So I got to go see Batman Returns in an Art Deco cinema.
0: Oh, how perfect. I'm glad you had that, that experience. That's lovely. Especially when it's a favorite film and it's the right setting. Oh, yeah. Batman was indeed PG-13.
1: Oh, it's in the US, so that's a 15.
0: Yeah, so both films PG-13, which to me means that if the kid is under 13 and the parents allow them to see it, it's up to them. This is from a show... I can't remember the name of, but who needs to know the name of that anyway? On the show, they talk about this terrible scourge and this terrible injustice and the the trickery going on.
6: Some parents contend that Batman Returns, which is rated PG-13, is actually being marketed for younger children, and the movie is just too violent. Let's get an expert opinion on that from USA Today's junior movie critic, 10-year-old Danny Slasky. Please welcome Danny. It was very violent. It was a total attack against kids, the whole movie. Everything that kids love was being used against them. Like what? Clowns. Even the penguin had a ducky boat.
0: (laughs) I figured I'd pause because your reaction was so wonderful. I mean, how amazing is this, right?
1: The the penguin, he had a ducky boat.
0: Clouds and the using kids' things love against them. I'm going to rewind that because I think it's worth hearing a second time. It also didn't it come out much earlier than this. Absolutely, it did. Yes, it did. <laughs> and by the way, on television, where you could just you know flip it on and be scared shitless. What do you think? I think he's 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 clearly just doing whatever he thinks is supposed yeah,
1: to be. Yeah, no, I I think they said to him like, if you go on and act upset, we'll buy you that toy. Probably a penguin one. We'll buy you the
0: Happy Meal, which I believe also the Happy Meal was designed with the original 60s penguin design because they found it was too disturbing to put the Danny DeVito penguin in the Happy Meal.
1: Yeah, well, it is disturbing.
0: Oh, absolutely. Unless you could squeeze its head and get the sriracha out of it. Yeah,
1: that's what we said, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: exactly. Look for a joint line of merch coming very soon. (laughs) So I'm winding back because it's just so delectable. It almost sounds like he said, I's too violent.
6: So, Danny, what did you think of the movie? I was very violent.
0: I, I was very violent. Yeah, I That's was he, very violent. A confession on national television. He doesn't even realize what he's doing.
6: So, Danny, what did you think of the movie? It was very violent. It was a total attack against kids. The whole movie. Everything that kids love was being used against them. Like what? Clowns. Even the penguin had a ducky boat. So and things that kids could identify. Presents with. And mobiles. All that type of stuff were using to hurt kids and capture kids. Penguin's total goal was to hurt kids. You think it was scary then? Definitely for kids. Yeah, for you? Um, I was I was actually a little bit scared and I have never been scared of a movie like this before. Yeah. I came out of Terminator 2. Fine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Terminator 2 didn't scare him.
1: No, so. not Terminator 2, but 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 the Penguin. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's that a child of this age uses um mobile, mobiles, <laughs> mobiles, mobiles, mobiles as an as an example. Apparently,
0: he still likes mobiles, which is actually yeah. more disturbing than anything he could have said about the film. He's yeah. still into mobiles. What about umbrellas? You know, the, the, are the kids uh, terrified of those now? I
1: think so. And the ducky boats. But you can see the other kids almost roll their eyes at him when he said ducky boats. Yeah, the kids are like, oh my God, this who hired this guy? Who the, who who the fuck guy? is
0: this guy? Yeah, I could, I could do his job. <laughs> what, what do you think
6: about the possibility of younger kids seeing this movie? You're 10 and it frightened yeah. you. It's just not for younger kids. Um, the penguin always had goop coming out of his mouth.
0: I'd like to say that's incorrect. It wasn't always.
1: Just when he was murdered viciously by being... Pushed through a glass window and drowning.
0: Yeah, and, and quite often when people are murdered, especially in a film, stuff will come out of the mouth.
1: Yeah, I mean, also when he when he, when he bit that man's nose. Well, that's true. But that was more blood coming from someone else's horse. Oh, yeah, no, true,
0: true, true.
6: Catwoman <laughs> took her claws and played tic-tac-toe on a man's face. It was just so violent for kids. And with all the McDonald's toys, it's making it sound like it is for kids, and it's not.
0: So you, you get there exactly what they drummed into his head. Like the stage mother who probably is an absolute nightmare. Listen, you, it's violence for kids and McDonald's toys. McDonald's toys, violent for kids. And he's sort of just regurgitating this stuff.
1: So, for, so as I'm just going to... Because his information is quite specific. It is. right. I didn't realize until my last rewatch that she says tic-tac-toe when she scratches his face. Oh, right. I, I, I had never quite clocked what she had said. And this is coming from someone who has seen the film many, many times. M- many, many times. But also, we don't have tic-tac-toe in, in the UK, I don't think. I guess it's probably called something else. How is it played? Like this
0: and this, which doesn't help for the audio. It's a grid. Thank you. It's a grid. Words are hard. It's a grid. And then you do X's and O's.
1: Oh, we call it noughts and zeroes. Oh, noughts that's what knots and zeros is. I didn't know that. No, okay. Oh, knots and crosses. Okay, sure, sure. No, not knots and zeros. Yes, knots and crosses. Sorry. Um, yes, that's sorry. We don't call it tic tac. We call it knots and crosses. At least I did in in in, in you know, growing up in Hampshire, um, <laughs> Portsmouth. Uh, yeah, knots and crosses. Why are they knots and zeros? That's the same thing.
0: <sighs> and I've certainly heard those f- phrases. So now I know what that means. Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, I, I didn't realize she said tic-tac-toe, uh, but maybe that's a, a, I mean, the fact that this child remembered that exact moment, and I've seen this film so many times.
0: It, it It speaks to one of two possibilities. Either it did make that big of an impression on him, or that was something that the producer of the show
1: got his mom... Because it is one of the more violent things when you just explain it. Catwoman scratches tic-tac-toe into a man's face. Does she poke his eyes out or just jab
0: him? No. Either way. She,
1: uh, she just, uh, she crosses and then she pushes his
0: face. Well, either way, it works because the guy deserved it. What stuff haven't we talked about about the film? I think we we covered it pretty uh, sufficiently. I think we
1: did. I mean, we could go on for hours and hours and hours and hours. Um, True. Uh, but. I I've I've learned things about the film now. I'm obsessed with Sean. I I can't stop thinking about the confidence of coming on in a terrible superhero costume.
0: Oh, I mean Grizzly. Worse than a Halloween costume. It was it
1: was terrible. Just the levels of delusion were incredible. Incredible. I loved it.
0: The withering contempt that she has for tim burton for not doing what she wants which is the hallmark sign of a malignant narcissist
1: and what also i like is that the whole time I mean, she's she's absolutely stunning as right. well she yes. sat there once once that awful fucking mask and costume come off yeah and she's in face is exposed she's she's so stunning and to see someone that gorgeous be so bitter is just yeah. it's perfect
0: isn't it All right, well until next time everyone.
1: Right. Thank you very much. Goodbye.